Proudly presents. Proudly presents. Mudhorn Rakers. Mudrakers. Mudhorn. Mudhorn Rakers. It's the best we could come up with. Um, and that is not us specifically. We have a social media team that goes through a uh, subsec branding division that goes through this and. Yeah, Lyle really could... and Katiana and the whole bunch over there at the social media Katiana? team for okay. <laughs> Boys LLC. Yeah, you know and Lyle Ingrid? and Katiana and that whole gang at the at the social team. Hey, I haven't had the chance to meet those people yet. Um, just a, a, a polite head nod. I did. Um, saying... I recorded a video to be shown at their orientation, so I've. They've met me, so to speak, but I have not actually yet gone down. And I mean, everything being what it is right now, I'm not going to go down and shake their hands and things like that. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, a lot of this stuff is through Zoom. So the head nods mm-hmm. with the Zoom can be taken in a variety of different ways yeah. where, you know, you're trying to head nod one person. And then, you know, Debbie from accounting is like, mm-hmm. Cody's your why are you why are you doing that? Mm hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right, Pete. We're... Cody's not been fired, everybody. All right. He's it's just, just it's nice to see that there's two people looking at the numbers because Cody's numbers happen to not make any sense. <laughs> um, you know, he said, oh, let's double down on Disney. And then, boom, they cut their dividend. Makes zero sense, Cody. Yeah, All dividends. Right? Long dividends. Um, so I almost texted you on Friday because... There's no new Clone Wars, so I was just no, lying you, in you bed did. at five. Did I? Yeah, I was just kind of like, "What do I even do?" I just go. I just go back to bed, I guess. Oh, all right. So this is a. Well, th- this is an interesting thing to talk about. Of when these things end, where you're at in a state of like your life, in a state of like thinking about that, because like when we both saw Force Awakens, you know, there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of speculation. You were, yeah. you know, just like extremely excited to um, see the next one. Yeah, the last Jedi. Was, yeah, last Jedi. Um, you and I saw it separately, and I, I think we were both like at the, at the beginning. Um, you ended up liking it a lot more than I did, but I still like it. Um, oh, I think what at did first I just we watch? Were both, yeah, like we had quite a conversation happened? afterwards. Um. And then, you know, with Rise of Skywalker, um, I, you know, continued to see that movie five times in theaters and you were like, ah! I have continued my weekly rewatch, my sixth viewing two nights ago. I'm actually really happy I'm that you're still doing it. this. I'm because growing so unhappy with it. <laughs> because I've started reading the novelization. Ugh. And the novelization basically has this way of expanding each scene, which doesn't yeah, it's almost like they held off on releasing the novel until they figured out everything wrong with the movie so that they could write it away in a book as if that would fix anything. Well, it, 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 it sparked some interesting conversations. So mm. like one in, we'll probably do a book boys on this. It, sure. Once Josh is in the right mental state for that. <laughs> um, here, here's something. Okay. So, 
um, in the movie, you know, Ray, Leia is Ray's master, right? Um, and at least from my perspective, I thought of it more as she was guiding her because she's the only person that knew anything, which also doesn't really make any sense because Maz was there as well, but whatever. I, th- I thought of it as like, a, she's just teaching everything she learned from Luke. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the novelization, they have it explained that Leia has also um, gone back and reverted to being a Jedi. That mm. she is a person that has been... Um, uh, Obi-Wan has reached out to her. Yoda's reached out to her. Luke has reached out to her. All of these people have talked to her. Not like in like specific dialogue scenes, but she has talked to them and um, is talking in the you know, first person plural of, you know, we, as opposed to, I need to help Ray continue on this, which is something that I didn't, I didn't really think about. I thought it was just like a, you know, she's a substitute teacher that's like doing the best she can, or she's like a retired teacher that like hasn't touched the subject matter in 30 years and is like, huh, okay, let's, let's, let's see how this force thing worked. Uh, wear that helmet you can't see with. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Uh, let's throw some uh, droids that hit you in the arm a couple times. Oh, cool, 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 cool. But the novelization has it sound more like she is concerned with the legacy. She is directly tied to making sure Rey becomes a Jedi and so that Rey is prepared for the fight that's about to come. Hmm. Does that get portrayed in the movie at all? Absolutely not. Well, I mean, I... I don't know. I never saw Leia as a substitute Jedi. I think the movie, through showing her training and 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 through what we see her do in Last Jedi and what she does in Rise of Skywalker as well. I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't think of her as a substitute Jedi Master. Interesting. Okay, so you, but did you think of her as like embracing the Jedi path? I don't know. I thought of her as embracing training Rey as a Jedi. Yeah. The. the uh, same, but uh, to me that's a, not a th- to me that difference is negligible. Okay, yeah. in terms of the story of that film and the story of the, the trilogy. Another interesting thing from the novelization, and granted, um, I mean, I guess it just shows the quality of the movie and book that I read like five pages and then I fall asleep because I'm so tired. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, there's also a scene with Maz and Leia where. Um, they, they try to explain away, you know, Carrie Fisher being there less of she, the force is calling to her. Luke is calling to her, you know, your time is done, it's time to move on. And she refuses because she's like, I still have work to do. And it's because in episode eight, when she survives, you know, being in space and brings herself with the force, her connection with the force is as strong as it's ever been. However, her physical body is at the point of breaking and is about to collapse. So Hmm. the book makes the note that like she, even though she like gave her life for Ben, um, she was going to die anyway, which I, I think I actually really liked because, um, you know, we've seen people pushing themselves in, um, you know, last Jedi with Luke pushing himself to the point and then his body failing him. Um, we saw kind of a little bit with Kanan and rebels of him pushing himself. Um, 
so that he could have all of his friends escape. But I like that little, you know, nod to, hey, Maz realizes it, Leia realizes it, that her time is coming um, very, very quickly. Yeah, I don't know. It's not doing it for me. Um, all right, so you you watched it for a sixth time. What 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 um, added to it? What didn't add to it? It was my eighth time total. Um, gosh, I don't know. I'm pretty over it. Um, I would say my big takeaway this time around, uh, don't mind me just looking up my own letterbox review so I can gather my thoughts, um, was, well, so two things. One is this is the first time I've watched it since watching the finale of Clone Wars. And when I watched it, I watched it Friday night. And uh-huh. immediately before I watched it, my girlfriend and I sat down and watched the final arc of Clone Wars, which is probably going to go down as one of my favorite Star Wars things ever. And so... That last episode things, or that arc? The whole arc. And it, so it was pretty boom, boom, watching the two. Like, it was, it was yeah, with I mean, boom, the same boom, night. Yeah, boom, 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 uh, boom. So it was a double feature there. And... You watch it the whole way through, or you took you yeah. took a little break? Yeah. Um, for a, a while now, I've kind of been pondering about, like, the the Lucas Star Wars, and, like, the, we'll call it the Old Testament, I guess, like, the original, George Lucas's original vision for the saga, and the Anakin Skywalker story, you know, the first six films and Clone Wars, and, you know, the Disney era of Star Wars, and the differences therein, and... A line of demarcation between the two, um, and watching these two things back to back, even though technically they are both of the Disney era, it did really kind of fuel. And I feel like it's a kind of a crappy line of thinking to go down because I don't want to be one of those guys that's like, "This is on my Star Wars," and I'm not because there are stuff about the Disney era that I love so, so, so much. Not least of which. Um, the strides that have been made in front of the camera for diversity's sake is is a godsend. I mean, r- really important work being done there, and great characters we're getting out of it. Um, but like thematically and stuff, there there are things that uh, I don't know, maybe don't quite jive. So I I don't know. I've been doing a lot of thinking about that and trying not to be a curmudgeon about it, but still, I think it's a a valid line of thought. Um, and there's just like when. The whole end of the Lucas Arrows Star Wars is, and I know, Pete, you hate it, but Luke throwing down his lightsaber and deciding not to fight, and he wins by not fighting. No, 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 no. I I like Return of the Jedi. Okay, but then, ultimately, the sequel trilogy turns that into something of a failure, and it is Rey literally picking up lightsabers doing the opposite she stands up and she picks up two lightsabers to destroy the evil that luke then has failed to actually thwart by refusing to fight and in my mind that kind of contradicts the whole thing i mean it doesn't it doesn't make the movie you know return of the jedi any any worse on my account i don't care but thematically it seems to me to stand in a, in a direct contradiction with that and there's just i don't know stuff like that that isn't quite uh, jiving for me. I would also say that I do, um, and this is more of a Last Jedi thing, I guess, having watched it this time around. 
but that scene getting me to think about the end of Last Jedi, Dave Filoni's talk on the episode we're going to discuss getting me to talk about the end of Last Jedi, uh, I, I started to find it pretty compelling. I know a lot of people were upset that you have these flashbacks in Last Jedi showing Luke sort of panicking and igniting his lightsaber uh, in, in Ben Solo's room. But watching it again and thinking of it in context of Luke's actions in Return of the Jedi, I think there's something to be said for Luke succeeding in extending a generosity to his father that he fails in extending to not his son, but his nephew. And the, the things that we let perhaps a past generation get away with that we don't let a younger generation get away with in our relationship with our parents versus our relationship with our children and how, um, you know, as our, our parents are always, we have to learn that our parents are human beings, you know, when we're kids and like in Luke Skywalker's case, how long before his father's actually a human being before he's, I mean, at first he's a, he's a myth, he's a legend, he's a story he tells. And then, you know, our, our parents, in our lives start out larger than life you know they are unto gods they are you know the arbors of everything in our life they control everything and we learn that they're human but ourselves yeah. and our children they're always human and i think that affects what we're willing to tolerate from them and i think that that luke failing to again extend extend that same compassion to ben that he had for his father is actually a now that I think about it, a really kind of profound moment and a a cautionary tale. I mean, I think there's just I think it's yeah it's, it's very easy to condemn things in youth that we don't necessarily condemn or that we're more um, quick to write off or explain away in our elders. And I ended up getting that message watching Rise of Skywalker, though I don't think that's actually something from Rise of Skywalker. But it was a positive. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's you know, Rey is supposed to parallel, Luke's supposed to parallel Anakin, and then there's, you know, different nuances. I'm curious if the difference of belonging is the reason that it's Luke drops the lightsaber, Rey picks up too. And by belonging, I mean... You know, Luke grew up, he had um, Brew, he had Lars, no, Lars? Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. Uncle Owen, yeah. Owen, Owen, Lars. Owen, and um, he had, you know, kooky old Obi, and then, you know, he loses that, but then he gains a sister, and he gains this family, etc., and he wants to rescue his father, whereas Ray, right off the bat, you know, is abandoned, so so emotionally scarred that she forgets um, killing Eve is her mom. Mm-hmm. And there's this sense of her wanting to become, be part of something and not lose the things that she loves so that she is coming in from a different emotional standpoint than Luke saying, listen, I think I can turn you, father, and I'm not going to fight you in this. Whereas... Ray is saying, this is part of my identity. This is part of what I want to belong to, and I'm willing to fight for that. 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't disagree with her motives, but again, just thematically, and if we're talking about Star Wars as undergone by George Lucas versus maybe Star Wars going into the future, I think that that's, that's not a George Lucas story, for better or worse. I'm not necessarily condemning it, but, you know, again, yeah, the whole apex of this whole original Lucas Star Wars saga is going beyond fighting. I mean, Obi-Wan, Yoda... The Emperor, everyone on both sides is telling Luke, kill, kill this man, kill, kill, kill. And he, you know, he sees another path, whereas, you know, Ray says, I'm going to kill Palpatine. And Finn says, that doesn't sound like you. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't. And that seems, it's, it's portrayed as if, oh, Ray, careful. But that is what she does. She does kill Palpatine. And I guess you can throw the, like, oh, no, she's deflecting his lightning back, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's defense. Okay, but I don't know. And this is not this is not a condemnation of the character of Rey at all. I, I, you know, it's just, you know, the writing, the messages. You know, we talk, you know, Dave and the gang in this uh, second episode of, of the Disney Gallery show are talking about, you know, the mythology of Star Wars and, and how it is something that is used to impart what we believe. Um to, to children down the line, which is something that is echoed. I mean, George Lucas says as much in the in the making of Star Wars book. He talks about it in constructing a monomyth and, and constructing a way to say to children, this is who we are, this is what we believe. And I feel like that kind of thought um, alludes maybe not the whole sequel trilogy, but Rise of Skywalker in particular. And I it, it dawns on me that Right. Within the sequel trilogy, you know, Force Awakens is so excellent, and I love that movie so much, but I realize that I think it is perhaps easier to open up a world, you know, and uh, have all those possibilities than it is to, um, you know, close one down. And I think in the opening act, you don't necessarily have to impart as many lessons. It's really in that last lap that you have to bring everything together and say, you know, this is what this means. This is what this reflects of our values and things like that. And yeah, I don't know. I'm still I'm still thinking about it. And I really don't so want to. You're, you're, you're saying more like episode four, episode one are like world building, but there aren't as many take home messages. As... I'm not necessarily saying that. Okay. I'm not saying that at all. I, I think I'm more just saying that like in those episodes, you have to do more. Will, or, you know, it's. You really don't, I, I don't know. It's it's most important towards the end, I guess, to put your money where your mouth is. Um, so, speaking of moms... Um, sure. We would be <laughs> remiss if we didn't um, make up for the error of what we did last year with the... Two years ago, I think, Pete. Uh, <laughs> or so. Right? Wasn't it? Like... Um, no, it was probably last year. Because we did, we started in 2018. Know. We started right. July 2018, and then we would have done oh, the okay. Dad-tacular, yeah, so which is in, like, been. June or July or whatever. Yeah, um, okay, it would have been. So... Yeah, we, we previously did the Dad-tacular. <laughs> unfortunately... Sorry, unfortunately, Disney does, has and we're going to get through this. Um, Star Wars hates moms. Um, mm-hmm. They absolutely despise moms. Unlike Mars, who needs moms. Yeah. They're, Disney hates They moms. don't stand moms whatsoever. Um, no. And so no. they put their Star Wars Day. They put two episodes of Gallery. 
and all these announcements, like um, but the actor that did the clones, Trevor Morrison, um, potentially being no, he's confirmed to be in season two, so of uh, the Mandalorian. So we'll see if he is um, Captain Rex or if he is Ooh. actually Boba Fett. There's been a lot of Ooh. conversations about that. But yeah. um, this is a, a definitive top ten Star Wars moms. Um, top ten for okay. our Star Wars Pedro Boys LLC. Pe- Pedro Boys presents Pedro Mudhorn Boys. Rakers presents Mama Rama. Mama Rama. How do you? How are we gonna spell Mama Rama? M A M A R A M A. I think it, mom, uh, yeah, I think all A's, all A's, mama, rama, baby. All right, baby. so I actually, while, we, while we've been having these conversations, I roped down my 10. It was really hard. Um, I've written down eight. So, <laughs> so we're just going to do 10. Um, I assume that we're going to have a bunch of um, overlaps. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, with and I have some deep cuts, so... Um, for sure. Oh, good. Yeah. I have some ones that, um, I would be surprised if you, um, knew them and that's basically, yeah. So, um, number one, um, to the OG is going to be Shmi Skywalker. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I have her as well. This she's a, she has, you know, she's a slave. She is doing the best she can. Um, and she is willing to let, her son be taken by some weird monk with a nice beard. Um, her son is damaged, but she, you know, <laughs> she's okay with that. Um, if she had lived, it would have been completely different. Um, she's the only mother that we really get to see a lot of like time of actually being a mother in star Wars. In fact, other I'm, I would be really curious to see somebody look at, the screen time of mother's mothering. And I bet Shmi Skywalker oh. is like the person by like a factor of 10. So number one, yeah. but that being said, it's a difference between like one second and 10 seconds. Now it, we would be remiss if I didn't, if we didn't give a shout out to our moms, um, shout out. And my mom, she wanted to be on the podcast because apparently she hates Shmi Skywalker and she wanted to do a Shmi impression um, mm-hmm. I didn't really get into it all that much because I'm not trying to burn more bridges than we already have, but, um, sure. that is her opinion and she for today is allowed to have that opinion. Um, so number one, Shmi Skywalker. Yeah. And I, you know, I think Shmi Skywalker is a pretty, um, you know, we don't, she's not a character that's mentioned as much, but I think within the confines of The Phantom Menace, which is, you know, a film that is very much about economics and how economics affect different classes of people. And, you know, on the one hand, economics makes her powerless to afford certain opportunities for her son. Mm -hmm. And, but, you know, at the same time, she, I think is a, powerful thing that she does to decide to take the chance that she does in letting her son go um you know it's it's a a big scary chance but she takes it and you know it's very clear that it's not something she would like to do she's going to be alone for all intents and purposes when she 
gets rid of Anakin, but yeah, she does, and you know, she done taught Anakin right, which is good. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, so never talk about her family. I mean, she's also called Skywalker. I'm just saying. So like, clearly, she's got parents, and there's other Skywalkers well, rummaging we also, around. We also have no idea if it's a a solo perspective where you know she's registering for yeah and then she like looks up at the sky and then she looks over she's she's just walking yeah so Mm -hmm. we have we have no idea Mm -hmm. if that's actually the case um so number two me or you You. are we both only thinking of all right well you already said shimmy skywalker who's on my list uh i will keep it on tatooine and i will go with aunt beru Okay. The um, OGOG Star Wars mom, uh, one half of all of the women in the original Star Wars. One which half is, of know, all very the. Very exciting. Oh my gosh. Her and Leia. Um, you know, we don't get a lot of screen time with Aunt Beru before she is burned alive, but the time we do get with her, um, you know, I think she she uh, portrays some mercy towards Luke and his whiny teenagerness, and. I think that she empathizes in, in a way with with Luke's desire for bigger and better things um, in a way that Owen doesn't. And I think Owen perhaps rightfully has some fear about what that could mean for Luke. Well, also with Baru, uh, she is a person that understands that he wants to learn more about his past and she is more mm-hmm. willing to embrace that. And Owen right rightfully so i mean like he's dropped off this kid when you know by a jedi and you know he probably learned years later that the jedi have been wiped out and he wants to protect luke but baru is like you know there's living and then there's actually living and she is more willing for luke to join the imperial flight school which is a little off but um yeah so that was a great choice. Yeah, and she's, you know, in in typical Star Wars parlance of her and Owen, she is the one less guided by fear. I mean, I think her and Owen both suspect perhaps the same possibilities, but, you know, she's not going to let fear um, let her anchor Luke in place. Uh, ultimately, it's not her decision, but, you know, it's there. Number three, uh, this is my deep cut. Nora okay. Nora Wexley. That's not a deep cut. I knew you were going to say her. Um, well, it could be a deep cut for our listeners. You, you might be yeah, like, that's true. Um, oh, what what uh, movie, TV show, or comic is she from? Oh, it's a book. Okay, so um, <laughs> she. Had, this is Nora Wexley. She is Snap Wexley, Greg Grunberg, and that mega dork that like you know brought the Hi. first order to them in Force Awakens. Terrible, terrible mm-hmm. scout. Um, not Mm -hmm. his mom's fault though. Um, she was a Y-wing pilot in episode six when it's like what, two X-wings, the Millennium Falcon and a Y-wing go into the Death Star Mm -hmm. and, um, like a X-wing and a Y-wing cut right. And then Wedge and Lando cut left. She is that X, she's that Y-wing. Um, and then the, um, aftermath books, the three, um, books that set off you know the new disney universe she's the main character in them and she is this woman that has ptsd from that um she goes back to her planet to raise her son who 
is like, you're not my mom. And, you know, it's Snap. So, like, imagine, like, a young Greg, Greg Grumberg being, you know, whiny and stuff. And she still, like, raises him. Um, and, you know, they're trying to rebuild and trying to help with the rebellion. Um, a very, very compelling c- character. Um, somebody that people rely on that is um, also juggling raising a child. So I would say of the Star Wars moms, this is definitely the person that's been the most parsed out and has an extremely interesting story of, like, having this PTSD having this failing marriage, having to raise her kid, having to be a member of the Rebel Alliance, and juggling all of those things. And that is Peaceless, Not Mine. I hate Snap Wesley, and I will never forgive his parents for having him. Number four. I hate him Number four. So much. Oof. Number four. Uh, <laughs> let's go with. Uh, the big mom of the, the sequel trilogy, Leia. Okay. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. She's a mom. And similar to Nora Wexley, um, has to juggle a lot. Having a goofball hooligan for a husband. Having a goofball maybe psycho for a son. Um I think definitely a cautionary yeah, tale for sending your kid off to summer camp because when you do, <laughs> they'll change. All right. When you send your kid to like a um, summer, like three week, six week, they're coming back different. And mm-hmm. in this instance, he came back real different. All right. He got mm-hmm. he got a new name, <laughs> which is when you when you look at it from a mom son perspective of like, oh, I don't go by my first name anymore. I go by my middle name now. And she's like, oh, OK, that's unfortunate. But um, that, yeah, it's a good pick. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we just talked about. Uh, how, how Luke's compassion fails him in, in regards to Ben. And I don't, we don't know, we kind of have to assume that Leia is never given the opportunity to decide whether to attack him or not. Um, but it does, I mean, till the end, I think she does still see the light in her son um, and doesn't give up on him. And that speaks to me someone who has a deep-seated fear of the fact that I feel like uh, we've perhaps both known families who, uh, I don't know, at least on the outside, it seems like, you know, as a parent, you can do everything right, but sometimes, um, you know, you end up with a little hellion or something like that. And it's, it's the he, nature versus you know, nurture debates of... Yeah. Like, yeah. are you responsible when your kid becomes a complete nightmare? And the answer mm-hmm. is yes. Um, <laughs> 100%. But... Pete, of course, speaking from a place of deep experience where he should be talking about these sorts of things definitively. Yeah, well... Oh, crap, my mom listens to this. Um, all right, number, number five. Number five. Um, you'll have to correct me on this. The seventh mm-hmm. sister is that um, um, Jennifer Love Hewitt's character from uh, Rebels? Sure. Is it ninth sister yeah, or seventh sister? Right. I think it's seventh sister. 
I think it's Seventh Sister. Um, I assume that she's a mom because in that arc of Rebels when she's going after that baby Athorian and then Ahsoka's like, I don't even need lightsabers. You're just like a chump. Um, she's like, who wouldn't want to be a mother? And that kind of energy is something that should be applauded. You know, a lot of people don't realize how much energy and time it takes into being a mother. And she's willing to kill people just to be a mom. So um, shout out to... The hand that rocks the cradle. Yeah, so she, you know, willing to kill to be a mother. Um, shout out to the seventh sister. Okay, well, as long as we're finally going completely off the rails, um, I will say for me, what am I on, number six? Yeah, num number six, number six. Number six for me is Mom Mothma. Ooh, um, that's a good one, Mon Mothma. I mean, yeah, it's in the Mom, name. Mom Mothma. Mom, 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 is, Mom, We don't we don't really see a lot of her being a mom to to Mothra, but it's there in the name, and the name colors her deeds, and it's very clear when you take a step back and go, oh, this character's name is Mom Mothma, Mom Mothma. That you know, uh, she's very motherly, and she's a leader. And leading by example for her little Mothma children. Um, yeah, end of end of item. Mom, All right. mom, mom, Mothma. Mine is a foster mom um, from number seven, Aura Singh. Um, mm -hmm. She is taking care of little little <laughs> Boba little Fett. Boba Fett. Um, <laughs> um, you know, she is somebody that um, you know, as a foster mom you're taking this burden, you know, you're, you have to take a kid that has been through, through some stuff. And she's like, Hey, you know what? I will try and kill this person for you. I will try and go after Mace. Like I'm going to do, we're going to do that together. Um, and that's just something that's, that's something that moms do is they take your hobbies and they nurture that. So, um, number seven or a sing. Speaking of, um, well, not quite foster moms, but I want to talk about stepmoms step a bit moms. for number eight okay. here. Stepmoms. I think um, the most famous stepmom in Star Wars, uh, Padme Amidala, C-3PO's stepmom. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, it, it can be hard growing up in a single-parent household, as 3PO does. He's then shuffled away to, you know, his his grandma and a step-grandpa and thrown on a desert planet. But, you know, his papa, Anakin, does come back with a new stepmom. And it's quite frankly very clear to me by Revenge of the Sith and throughout the Clone Wars that 3PO's probably closer with his stepmom than he is even with his father. And that really speaks to um, Padme's taking on of the responsibilities of being a step-parent and embracing 3PO as her own. And I think that that's very beautiful and touching. And so, Padme Amidala, numero uno stepmom. And a suggestion um, to you all um, with Padme is, if you ever wondered, like, how would she be as a parent to Luke and Leia? Um, in my um, quest for Clone Wars content after the finale, um, I've read half of the Ahsoka book with the chapters of her in it. And I've been watching just the Ahsoka episodes of Clone Wars. And there's one where it's Ahsoka and Padme. And Ahsoka has a premonition that Padme gets murdered. Yeah, Assassin. Um, I watched that one this week. And 
Padme basically acts as a mother to Ahsoka. Um, they play some Tajeric at one point, mm-hmm. and it's um, it gives you a glimpse on how she would have actually been had Episode Three not um, gone the way it went. And honestly, like we both talked about it, um, we were not Padme fans of Clone Wars. Uh, me specifically, um, early on, you know, if there was a Padme episode, I'm coming around, I'd be, watching I'd it be again. like, ugh. Seriously, mm-hmm. um, Padme's ex and Anakin, like, I don't want to see this. Rush Clovis? <laughs> um, she can pick him. But um, through this, re- through this rewatch, I, um, it, it, I appreciate the character a lot more. Even the episode one, episode two Padme. Like, some of those scenes are still well, a little like, yeah. you know, I beg you. Like, oh, please stop that acting so bad. But it, it's <laughs> I, I there's a lot of there's a lot of it I really like. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, growing with these movies, as I age and my perception of, of the story being told changes and stuff, I think that ultimately one of the great failings of the prequel trilogy is that Padme is the primary protagonist right, of, yeah. of The Phantom Menace. She drives the action there. She's a character of great agency. She, you know, has awesome action sequences. She also has great costumes. She's such a cool character in that movie. And then by Revenge of the Sith, you know... I think she's second build Natalie Portman, but she has, I don't know, three monologues there or something. And it's really distressing. I've heard it theorized that she is sort of sidelined in an attempt to sort of nerf the atrocity of what Anakin does, uh, which is how you sort of end up with a, oh, she died of a broken heart, rather than like, oh, Anakin killed her. Um, I don't know how much truth there is to that, but... Uh, yeah, I think you know Natalie Portman's performance is really good, and I think her that her performance in um, Episode Three, the like the conversation between her and Anakin, um, that led to the ultimate Force choke, I think is really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the mm-hmm. conversation with Anakin right after he's killed all the younglings is really good, um, and the Obi Wan Padme conversation, like yeah, that's a really good yeah. scene. I mean, the premonition stuff uh, at the beginning, scene. not a huge fan. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it, it has grown on me a lot. Um, all right. So number yeah, nine is, is uh, Harrison Dua. Um, mm. deep cut. Spoilers for Star Wars <laughs> Spoilers Rebels. Spoilers for Star Wars Rebels. Um, just a really good character and is somebody that's, um, to our knowledge, a single mom. So ha- shout out to the single moms out there. Um, you, the real MVP. And this is a person that is um, a mom that doesn't leave her kid to just sit around at the house and play on his, you know, holocron, um, just play to Jarek mm-hmm. by himself or play some sabacc with some of the kids in the uh, in alleys or whatever. She brings him um, on this, you know, potentially dangerous miss- missions. She's he's right in the um, co-pilot seat. And they're just going through the galaxy on these um, adventures. And I'm sure she's a great mom. Um, Hera is basically a mother in the whole Rebels series. Like, she takes care of all of them and makes sure to provide emotional support. So for the misfit adult babies that is the Rebels cast, I can only imagine she's a much better mom. Yeah, I mean, I I will reiterate that. Uh, I think Harrison Doodle is one of the most impactful animated characters I've 
ever come across and Vanessa Marshall does such a good job voicing her and that there's I've said it before but for whatever reason with that character in particular just the audio and the animation just they blur together in such a way that it just it feels like a living breathing character and uh yeah I have a great great fondness for that character um so I guess number 10 here I've got a few listed items here that we could get into that would foster a legitimate discussion on mothers and their treatment in Star Wars I'm talking about Ursa Wren I'm talking about Vanessa Doza from Resistance who I think absolutely is one of the most uh interesting moms and I I think is is a genuine attempt by um creative forces that be in Star Wars to open up a discourse about Mothers within Star Wars, incredible character, Mama Hut, of course. Um, but there's really only one proper oh, answer well, for number ten on this uh, list. And, you know, we should could also give a shout out to um, Village Mom from Episode Three of The Mandalorian, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head, and um, Poe's mom, who just became a squatter on Yavin Four and raised her kid on that. Uh, but Josh, round mm-hmm. us out with number 10. It's got to be Shock T, Ahsoka's mom. Uh, okay, yeah. I mean, Ahsoka's my favorite character, and much as Snap Wexley is my least favorite character, and therefore I cannot stand Nora Wexley, Ahsoka Tana's my favorite character, so I have to give thanks for thanks is due to her mom, Shock T, who is, of course, number 10. On our Mama Rama. Mama Rama. Congratulations. And congratulations to Shock T. Mama of Ahsoka. Uh, Mama of Ahsoka. Are they even, mm-hmm. you know what? Nope. No questions on my end. Yep. Okay. So Great. we had a plan for the length of this episode. And yeah. So I, uh, now, Josh, would you like to? So next episode's going to be episodes one, two, and three. <laughs> it sounds like it. So. That makes sense to me. So, so failed soft yeah. launch for Pedro Boys presents Mudhorn Rakers. Yeah. Um, I think this will just be an episode of Poe Boys, I guess. So, if you'd like to get a hold of us, poeboyspodcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter and Instagram at poeboyspodcast. And happy Mama Rama!